America, America. We all love Team America World Police. Uh, it was great back in the day, back in the Bush era. But uh, do its commentaries still remain relevant? I think the answer is no. Yeah. I think they sort of fucked it up. Uh, I think, you know, Matt and Trey... Matt, very funny movie. Still holds the test of time in terms of comedy. Maybe not with the Kim Jong-il Asian voice. Well, but... oh, I thought the most problematic part would have been uh, Matt Damon. Oh, you're right. They they did do they did do a little bit of an ableism there, but I don't I don't I don't think they were I don't think they were saying that Matt Damon was um, mentally handicapped, but rather he was just a comical dumb guy. I think but they I I, no, I think they were saying he's mentally handicapped. Th- there you go. They yeah. they just did it because the puppet came out looking really fucked up, yeah. which is uh, I don't know. But uh, there's some still some classics from that movie. Uh, their parody of Rent. Everyone has AIDS. <laughs> also, yeah, come on, AIDS jokes. Are we really? Are we really? That? Well, that's well, that's what Rent is about. Because everyone has AIDS. Oh, but I, that, really? That's a good criticism I of thought... Rent, though, because Rent uses AIDS as a cheap device to gain sympathy. So Rent is not about like paying rent or living in an apartment or. It is about paying rent, but it's also about it's also about AIDS. Have you huh. have you not seen Rent? Have you never interacted with Rent before? No. How am I supposed to see Rent? Go to Broadway? What am, What are you talking about? You can see the movie. There's no. There's <laughs> a movie version. There's a movie. There's a movie with most of the original cast, including the wonderful Edina Menzel. Edema. Edema. I have pulmonary edema Menzel. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. My left arm's very numb. Ain't that America? Ain't that America? It's happy 4th of July from our house to yours. Um, Our house is, of course, House of Decline. Welcome to the show. It's 4th of July, COVID times two. Second second COVID 4th of July. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but this time is milder because people are vaccinated. They're getting out of their hidey holes. Things are looking up for the old U.S. of A. again. Yeah, we're finally back on top. And um, (laughs) it's, you know, this country, this is an episode that's going to celebrate all the good things of this country and none of the bad things. Because we're, number one, there aren't any bad things. And no bad things about America. No bad things. Um, And number two is... Let's go through some of the good things we did. As I as I said on Twitter, we uh, invented the electric guitar and the electronic synthesizer. So there's one well, good thing. Well, we, we, who are we? Who are we taking? Who are we? Who's uh, taking credit? Uh, Robert Moog, and uh, Moog. Then, yeah, and then the guy that uh, invented the electric guitar was also American. I think that's more of a win, less for Americans than for autistic people. Oh yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I wouldn't, they're not, if, if they were, if Robert Moog was to pledge allegiance to any group, I'm sure it would be the neurodivergent dot uh, <laughs> P. No, he would, he would probably, he probably played the, you know, the, whatever, what's our national anthem called again? I forget. Star, the stars, uh, striped, uh, the spa- star striped boogity the s- boy. <laughs> it's all, the, it's all spackled. The spackled, the, can- uh, the, the spackled, the cum spackled bag. The cum spackled rag. <laughs> the cum spackled rag. 
Oh, come on this rag, <laughs> you old scurrilous fag. <laughs> Sorry. I'm gay. I can say it. Yeah. You're gay. You can say the F word. Yeah. Um, and I can, the only word I get to say is cracker. Yeah. Like, yeah dang it. Everyone uh, gets to say cracker, though, so yeah. that's not fun. I can say Al Cappuccino. That's uh, not a slur, but it's, could, it's like slur adjacent. <laughs> Al Cappuccino? Yeah. Like you're making fun of Al Pacino's name? Yeah, but with, uh, with delicious coffee. Oh, delicious, delicious <laughs> milk and coffee on top of... That's, uh, that's the premise of Jack and Jill, is they're doing the Dunkachino with Al Pacino. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's... You, you have broached Adam Sandler levels of humor, which, as we all know, is very powerful. Yeah. Um, to be fair, you know, I, um, people will say that all Adam Sandler movies are total dross. And if you say that, oh, I like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, you're misremembering because those movies are obviously problematic and terrible. But now nah, I revisited them recently is pretty... They, they're funny. They're well, funny, man. I remember, they got some funny elements in them. I remember um, I had a fun time on the bus uh, back in middle school because uh, one of the rich kids got, like, maybe one of the first portable DVD players I'd ever seen um, back probably, like, 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. And it was a piece of equipment that could only do one thing. It could only, It was just a portable DVD player. There's, like, nothing else going on with that thing. But he would bring it and watch Billy Madison on the bus, like, every day after he got... And that's all he would watch. You know, I guess maybe he only had one DVD. Uh, and then if people didn't like it, he would punch them. So, mm. um, yeah, you know, I I say Billy Madison is good, but that's just like sort of a Pavlovian response. Because <laughs> I fear... Royal rules! Yeah. Billy Madison's good! <laughs> I, I fear I'll get punched if I don't like it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um I mean, Adam Sandler's pro-Israel. Yeah, so is Seinfeld. That doesn't mean <laughs> so, I, I don't like Seinfeld. That doesn't mean I don't I don't eat my Snickers with a knife and fork. <laughs> Have you revisited any of the Seinfelds recently? Uh, sometimes I'll go on SeinfeldScripts.com and read like a read a script from it just to remind myself. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, I did that with the with the eating Snickers with a knife and fork episode which is also the episode where jerry decides to cash all of the checks his his nana has sent him for his birthday <laughs> over the years and then, yeah and he um he like overdraws her account and she has to go <laughs> to a shady neighborhood to try to try to take care of it <laughs> oh my nana <laughs> nana's gone yeah, missing that's pretty funny okay now that felt pretty good i'm remembering that in my in my head movies it's very funny um but but yeah he's also a zionist uh i i i've shown you those pictures of him at zionist fantasy camp right he has like the gun he's like holding he's holding a machine gun or something would you look at this machine gun elaine this could (laughs) blow away 20 gases it's Uh. a powerful machine gun jerry jerry it's a powerful machine gun um, so in the in the spirit of ain't that America Pink Houses John Mellencamp here's uh, here's a little a little nice line from the first first stanza of uh, mm-hmm. that great song and there's a woman in the kitchen cleaning up the evening slop 
And he looks at her and says, Hey, darling, I can remember when you could stop a clock. Uh, so that sucks. Um, <laughs> that's no, well, it's very just it's a little it's a little old creepy guy Fred. Hey, hey, good looking. Your your ass looks like two Christmas baubles in a, in a shed. You know, just some weird old creepy yeah. guy aphorism. Oh, oh, ain't that America? And of course, the first stanza is about how uh, a black man has got an interstate running through his front yard. And then it's, ain't that America? It's like, ain't that America? I mean, right before the show, you said he's like a like a two-bit version of uh, Bruce Springsteen. And I guess this is kind of like his born in the USA, where he's juxtaposing... A patriotic chorus taken out of often taken out of context with like some of the more shady or bad things that go on in America. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole like gigantic genre of music that Rolling Stone loves is like super Americana rock, which Mm -hmm. sort of has its roots in Woody Guthrie. Because Woody Guthrie has that weird sense of like, even though it's anti imperialist, it has this homegrown nationalism you know it's all about the folksiness and the culture of america and you know this land is your land you know um which is you know that song's pretty ironic in leah of indigenous peoples you know he wasn't thinking too hard about that one old woody guthrie it really it should be called this land is their land ah, <laughs> well fuck you woody you weren't woke enough for us <laughs> Canceled. Damn. Yeah, Woody Guthrie is getting this machine kills fascists. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, an acoustic guitar kills fascists. Fuck you. Whoa, <laughs> fuck dude. Off. I mean, um, it kind of does it. I mean, that's an interesting proposition that the culture is enough to withstand the the lure of of a fascist state where you have a managed economy um, to the point that certain ethnicities are. Enslaved and forced into labor, so is that is that enough? Is is a is a Woody Guthrie song enough to keep that from happening? Uh, clearly, um, it's not. Well, I actually the problem is I do have this theory, but it's not Woody Guthrie songs. It's not like high-minded, you know, spiritually encouraging poetic shit that you get people's running. It's Drek. It's absolute fucking trash. It's like shit like like Uncle Tom's Cabin, like fucking sentimental treacly bullshit that gets people into enough of a tizzy that they're like willing to go to war over it. Or fucking Glee, objectively terrible show, but probably did more to get more people on board with, with like at least white gay men than any other thing before it. Uh, so you, you know, don't you don't like Uncle Tom's Cabin? Well, no, I do like Uncle Tom's Cabin. I think historically, okay. you know, okay. it's it's like, but it's I like most people. It's not a great written book. It's a pretty, it, 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 I don't know. I've never read it. Okay, I'm just going. <laughs> <laughs> I I have I only know. read about it. <laughs> I have only read about it. <laughs> I've never read it, but allegedly it's supposed to be not very good, right? Um. The last thing I read about it was that it, I mean, it took the country by storm. So it's kind of like saying Taylor Swift isn't very good or the Beatles aren't very good. It's like, well, it became a phenomenon that swept the country. Good and bad are no longer really 
what you need to say about it because it had a huge effect on on the country pre-civil war it was that is definitely an example of something in culture that definitely noticeably affected hearts and minds like the other thing i can think of recently is I don't know, Top Gun getting people to join the fucking Air Force mm. or something like that. <laughs> like, I think, I don't know, I think I think Top Gun had more of an effect on the hearts and minds of people than Woody Guthrie. Uh. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, uh, not in some places. One of the interesting things that happened when I uh, moved upstate New York in like 2007 was how everyone kind of was worshiping Pete Seeger. Um, they, love, they love him. He's a river protector over there. Yeah, and I had never heard of Pete Seeger. So I was naturally immediately suspicious. Because, like, <laughs> if there's some, if I haven't heard of something, I'm like, it probably is not good. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not like that anymore. Now I'm excited <laughs> when I haven't heard of something. I get rid of, mm-hmm. now I love it. Uh, I had a great time before the show today, a couple of hours ago, a, a Twitter mutual po- posted a really long list of songs he like made a playlist for spotify and we share a lot of the same genre likes so i went Mm -hmm. through found 30 well about 30 um albums and songs that i'd never heard downloaded them all and now Mm -hmm. i got a whole long list of things to listen through so Mm. i'm stoked Mm -hmm. one of the ones is band of susan's Band of Susans? Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. What's their deal? Uh, they are like kind of in the genre of no wave, but noise. Mm. Oh, wait. No, no, no. They're not. No- well, they're really inspired by Reese Chatham, the guitar player. Oh, okay. Like Glenn Branca. I love Reese Chatham. Yeah. He's like the better Glenn Branca. Um, <laughs> oh, shots fired. Well, I mean, he's the he's the more unknown version which makes him better because he's like more unknown they're both doing stuff like uh guitar music for trio and it's where we turn it up all the way and we're from new york but we speak like this and you listen to the timbres of your eardrums breaking Um, yeah (laughs) but yeah band of susans they they do uh, some reese chatham covers the album recommendation is the word and the flesh it's a good album by band of susans Mm. Yeah, check it out. Band of Susans. Uh, are they American? Yeah. Good. See, America's great. America. They, we have Band of Susans. America invented <laughs> Band of Susans. <laughs> America invented Reese Chatham. Yeah. Wait, is America invented Glenn Branca? Yeah. America invented not only the electric guitar, but a guy who said, "What if we got a hundred of them? Yeah. <laughs> what if we did a hundred of them?" <laughs> Because uh, that was Glenn Branca's innovation, is he was like, electric guitar is like a bullshit instrument for babies. It's not taken seriously. But if we got a lot of them, if we got a lot of them, then, then people will take us seriously. Well, one good thing that I like about America is the kind of like the hobo artist trope that continues on to this day mm-hmm. of like the person who hops freight trains and mm-hmm. scrawls in a notebook and invents crazy instruments kind of like harry parch is like an example of one such yeah. kind of guy well because yeah there is a troubadour archetype but there is like a specific like type of weirdo i guess that is the type of americana i like not only harry parch but I, i'm thinking of also moondog as well moondog is a good example of that type of guy like some sort of um uh just uh outsider 
that has his own unique approach and, you know, creates his own uh, musical structure out of whole cloth, not unlike Mormonism, you know, how Mormonism Mm -hmm. is just this, you know, weirdo homegrown because of this like intense cultural optimism. People are like, I'm going to create my own religion and get people in it. And it's going to be better than regular Christianity, even though it's going to be similar to regular Christianity. I'm Joseph Smith. God damn it. Do the, please do the rest of the show in that accent. <laughs> do the rest of the voice in the rapid mid-Atlantic radio announcer yeah, accent. I don't think I is. can swing that one. You can't, can't do the old mid-Atlantic accent? Um, well, you're three crabs short of a shekel. Three, and I tell you what there, sir. You're three crabs short of a shekel. Well, I can kind of <laughs> do it. I don't know. It's hard. You got a penis shorter than the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. <laughs> and it breaks just as easily, too. It collapses <laughs> under the weight of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just the wind's enough to collapse your tiny little penis. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's going down like the Titanic. They, wait, That's was, what I said about eating pussy. It was a Titanic pussy. Did you watch in, like, science class the video of that bridge collapse? The Tacoma Narrows Bridge? Yeah, I, we watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's a classic, it's a classic science video. Uh, what about Cane Toads? Did you watch that, that movie? Oh, like how Cane Toads are overtaking Australia because they're like, <laughs> the big toads and that their local fauna. They fuck everything. to deal with. Yeah, the thing about Cane Toads is they're constantly procreating, right? Mm. That's why they overtake. And there, there's the great, uh, you know, cheers went up in the classroom when the the cane toad was trying to have sex with the dead cane tone on the road. <laughs> everyone was like, yes! Terrible, just 20 terrible teenage boys yeah. going, yeah, yeah. necrophilia toad. Mm-hmm. And, and, and your yeah. Catholic science teacher going, you scamps, Oh, the, you the, the science teachers, I mean... All the teachers hated our class because we were so disruptive. I mean, I don't know what was going on. It was something about our our class and the class above us that we were so unruly. Um, but yeah, it was chaos all the time. There were just like a lot of problem students that would uh, get in the way of stuff. Um, I mean, it's more like we were like we were pretty dedicated to to mischief and pranks. And it was the only time we really had, like, class unity, which was a theme Mm. that they tried to push down our throats. But the only time we weren't at each other's throats was when we were doing pranks, like, and not not really sophisticated pranks, but the best one was we we put the teacher's desk on the roof, um, (laughs) which took class unity. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that actually, I mean, that's like the classic thing of the utility of having a boss is that it unites people against you. You know, right. that's like, that's a theory of why management is necessary. That's right. a theory of why hierarchical management is necessary because uh, people don't get along unless there's like, or <laughs> fucking, did you see Henry Winkler tweeted out the Ozymandias shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Henry Winkler tweeted out, we won't come together in unity unless there's some sort of cataclysmic event that unites us. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a general theory that people are united against a shared enemy or a a goal, uh, against destruction. Yeah. Just like how, when, um, the Visogoths invaded Rome, the (laughs) Rome united and again, then became more powerful than ever. Exactly. (laughs) Just like America, uh, when they were, you know, a bunch of colonies united against their shared hatred of the British. 
Uh, right, uh, and getting out of taxes, which is the yeah. con- that's the the re- the real theme of America is how can we get out of these taxes? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's why uh, whenever someone lowers taxes, you know, they're just participating in the American tradition. You can't criticize them. That's what the country was founded on. Yeah, and just, and even if it was the thing about like the taxes thing, it's even if it was a bad person who lowered the taxes. That doesn't mean when the good person comes back in that you get to raise them. And like we saw when Bush did his tax lowering, Obama had to keep it. Trump did his tax lowering, and now Biden has to keep it. They don't, mm-hmm. like, they technically, well, actually, no, they couldn't, but they couldn't raise it right now even if they wanted to. But I don't think they want to. <laughs> Do you ever find it funny? Have we ever commented on this that it's funny how the vision of some anarchists accidentally ends up looping around to Thomas Jefferson's idea of liberty being yeah. like yeoman farmers. We commented on this. We did. Yeah, um, but I, I still find that fascinating because in my head, I like I sort of fetishize the idea of, you know, living off the land. And, you know, obviously the, the yeoman farmers thing is bullshit when you realize uh, Thomas Jefferson understood that to meant on oh, you own a couple of people as well. Yeah. <laughs> like you would phase that out, but you would still have like indentured servants, which are cool. Well, no, actually, fine. they got rid of indentured servants. He probably um, they got rid of indentured servants like before the Constitution. I'm pretty sure they. Oh, did, interesting. I think I was just reading the introduction to a history book where he mentions like they were quick to get rid of indentured servitude, but then slavery remained. Yeah. Well, because uh, indentured servants, they, they could rely on the social construct of racism to justify slavery. Yeah, I mean, indentured servitude were, could happen to anybody also. So they were like, yeah. oh, no, not me. <laughs> but yeah, in their mind, you know, someone like Thomas Jefferson, um, I think very much understood the hypocrisy of all men created equal and owning slaves. I think he was smart enough to know that shit, but... Yeah, was he was like tamp a it down. conflict. Inner, he had a lot of inner conflict. He was like, no, he wasn't a good guy, but he wasn't mm-hmm. like he did have self awareness. It's hard. That's a thing where like good and bad. You can't. It's like, it's like okay, you mm-hmm. think he's a bad owning guy. and raping slaves. Nah, I'm like, like I know oh. it's the style of the time, but I'm gonna say that's just bad. That's like uh, I know, but what I'm saying is that that's an irrelevant thing to say because it's like. It it's a historical figure now. Good or bad has imparts no real understanding of who he was and the effect that he had. Yeah, well, maybe it's important to say that it's like Jefferson was not good or bad because you know we don't we can't ascribe any of that. But his act, you can just say his actions of owning and raping people were definitely bad. <laughs> yeah, he did bad things. Yeah, um, but as you know, ascribing like a general character to a person who is you know throughout their life multitudes of things and you know whose uh, effects reverberate throughout the universe and in countless unknowable ways you know you can't ascribe you know a single quality to a person but like uh it's like saying like oh this this one king in the middle ages was bad um because he he killed all the serfs one time Um, i mean yeah i generally agree as you get further as you get further from a historical event and it lapses into myth or uh in into not myth but into that weird memory zone where you're not quite sure how it actually happened and no one can really be sure how it happened. 
Yeah, and it, um, but if you go back far enough, every major person in history has done things that we consider bad now. So. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, maybe, uh, it's fine to, maybe everybody was bad. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's, but that's the what, that's what I've, come to. that's what I've been saying this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's uh, generally the position of, uh, um, I don't know, people who are not progressive that maybe there hasn't been a good person yet. Uh, no, yeah, there, there, I don't think it's possible. There's no, there aren't any good people really. Because we're all yeah. sinners. We all have original sin. There you go. We're Catholic. We're, we're back to our Calvinist roots. Well, Calvinism was Protestant, but... Uh... Um, there was one interesting religious idea I came across. Did I talk about annihilationism on the show yet? Or did no, I? no, bring it. I, don't, I haven't heard okay, that. Okay, annihilationism is the idea that uh, your soul does not burn in hell for eternity if you're bad. Yeah. Instead, God just destroys your soul when you die. And that's what oh. happens. That's very, that's interesting. That's very similar to sort of like uh, Hans Christian Andersen's vision of souls in The Little Mermaid. Because you know the original horrifying story of The Little Mermaid? Um, where she like, I don't know, like mutates, like gives birth to a horrifying half, like a... Instead, the mermaid is a fish head with, right, with yes, human it's legs. A, it's, it's a reverse mermaid, <laughs> and it's a shadow over Innsmouth's situation. And, you know, Prince Eric goes insane, realizing he's a part fish person. And, you know, uh, no. So um, maybe someone who is, appears completely human, except they have gills and they just immediately, like, suffocate. Uh, yeah, that would be terrifying. You just see a person with gills washed up on the beach going, <laughs> Um, no, uh, in Hans Christian Andersen's version, uh, mermaids live long lives, like 200, 250 years. Um, but when they die, they just turn into sea foam and they don't have souls. They don't ascend to God's um, eternal heaven. So in the, in the Little Mermaid, in the original story, she falls in love with a human. Um, and in order to get legs, she does make a bargain with a sea witch but in the book, it's common to how she dances beautifully, but dancing is like dancing on knives for her. And eventually the human she falls in love with falls in love with another person. But because she devoted herself to him uh, and sacrifices herself for him, she eventually goes on to become like the West Wind or something. She essentially gains a soul through devotional romantic love, um, which is, you know, a very... Uh, Earning earning a soul is that's a really interesting concept. Like, is that a Christian concept? Do you earn your soul, or do you no. like? Because Christians believe you're given a you're, soul. You're born and you with sort it. of yeah. You get it. You get it right away. You get it at some point yeah. during pregnancy. Most things like right away, <laughs> right away during yeah, right yeah. After first con- trimester, like after right right when the when the sperm meets the egg. Yeah, that's a soul, baby. Then it creates <laughs> that's where the soul creates comes some from. kind of uh, soul spark, and it's. Yeah, it creates the all spark like in Transformers. There's like a sizzling noise, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever conceived a child, but what happens? There's like a sizzling noise. You, you hear like <laughs> you smell toast. Everything goes black. Like your eyes kind of fade, and then you kind of wake up hours later. <laughs> that's, what, that's what exactly what happens. Uh, yeah, you know, you know how like every time you you orgasm, you smell toast, and then. You... <laughs> You wake up hours later. And you wake up hours later and you're like missing your kidney. Yeah, yeah you've got spaghetti on your face. 
That's totally normal, right? <laughs> uh, but so people who, uh, back to annihilationism, um, yeah. do people who advocate it say that there's nothing in the Bible that actually states that God burns your, your soul in hell forever? And yeah. they're right. There's no, there's nothing really in the Bible that says that you're going to burn in hell forever. And, and God's like some kind of torture guy who's torturing yeah. you. Um, and every so often there's people who are advocating for it. I think n- notably the Seventh-day Adventists believe in annihilationism. Mm. They're maybe one of the only denominations that actually has it as a tenant. But it's some Anglicans have advocated for it, and it makes a lot of sense to me because why would God torture someone forever? It, seems like he would probably just, you know, put you out of your misery. Hmm. Well, if if if, he ha- if you have, like, a merciful conception of God... I mean, it's interesting, because the whole, like, torture for eternity thing, that's, like, supposed to motivate people to get into the religion, because it's like the Pascal's Wager thing. It's like, yeah. look, if even if there's, like, a one in a billion chance this is true, like, you wouldn't want to be tortured for eternity. Like, hell is, like, a... Re- it's like negative reinforcement for believing in God. That's sort of its utility. Right. But annihilationism is sort of interesting because it posits that, no, actually, is you know, it's, if you're a bad person, it's not so bad. You just have non-existence, which is objectively worse than having an eternal soul. Right. Um, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, they, the... Uh, Annihilationists and the non, the normal, the normies, the norms, <laughs> um, often argue about whether or not the soul is eternal, and that's another way of talking about it. That's maybe the words are less scary, so you'll hear the debate about whether or not the soul is eternal. Mm. Um, I sort of believe, like in the in like uh, the Bart sells his soul thing. I think it's sort of like I think you do kind of earn your soul. I don't think babies have souls. Wow. I think you have to. Well then, I think, well, then why do you care about the residential schools? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> you can't no, say that. Look, just, souls, are, souls don't actually exist. There is no such thing as a soul. It's all, the mm. meat is the soul. Mm-hmm. The meat is the soul. It's all, your spirituality doesn't necessarily have to come outside the material world. I always believe that the like the idea that we separate the spiritual and material is always a strange thing. I'm really big into collapsing stuff. You've seen me recently. I've argued that there's no difference between romantic and platonic love. And um, I'm not <laughs> collapsing love. I'm collapsing everything. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think I'm collapsing the spiritual and material. There's no distinction between it. the 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 meat that's, runs I think that's through called the Gnosticism. Is that Gnosticism? I think so. No, Gnosticism is something different. Gnosticism no, is the no. belief is a belief that comes from, uh, is a belief that comes from some sort of uh, faith based place, isn't? Isn't it? Well, well, yes, it's coming from a faith based place, but it's about um, faith based place. <laughs> it's this is a faith based about the distinction between the material and the spiritual universe, and okay. they. Uh, like Gnostics are like people who are like God lives inside like every one of us in a certain way like we have a part of God in us they'll also often say that nature you'll experience God in nature like God is in the trees or God is in the animals 
yeah. Gnostics. I mean, that's what like fucking Matt Christman is talking about Gnosticism all the time. And I think he's like a big Gnosticism booster because I think it dovetails with Marxism, right? The idea that, you know, uh, materialist analysis fall uh, uh, like logically, if you're trying to construct a metaphysical analysis on top of Marxism, it, it, it uh, follows that everything springs from the material everything springs from your atomic construction your jizz. everything springs from the relationship between atoms bumping into each other and, j- and nothing jizz. more jizz on everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's everything everything when you ever just everything's springing forth is mm-hmm. everything is being ejaculated yes we ejaculate into the universe that's 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 a very dude oriented what if what if you were? Uh, what if you were had more of a yonic conception of the universe, and we're always catching? You know, everybody's always catching. Um, what do you, it would be cool to jack off in space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're in the International Space Station with the gravity turned off, and there's yeah. a hole in your condom. Okay, you Yuri. Can't... You're, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My cum is floating around ISS. They don't have a gravity turn off function. Um, <laughs> they turn off the gravity and that. the cum splatters. Yeah, that doesn't exist. But Yuri's face. Uh, but it would be cool if it did exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you can you imagine uh, snowballing <laughs> in space? Uh, it's easier. so many so many sex moves so many like outlandish only in porn sex moves are easier in space because like you're floating and it's like full (laughs) range of three-dimensional movement you know yeah there's probably some new ones that we haven't even thought of maybe bezos is going up there to research uh space sex different sex positions cosmo in space <laughs> oh yeah your man will go wild when you you know do a, a clavicle deep knee bend on his taint area yeah jeff bezos and uh, five children are all going up in space <laughs> hmm. don't leave them alone with the billionaire <laughs> look th- it's not a sex thing he just needs their blood <laughs> yeah it's just for rejuvenation yeah <laughs> They're hooked up to him like a, an octopus. Uh, it just looks like an octopus with five kids just exchanging blood with him constantly. The kids are, are like their their skin is shrinking and they're like they're getting like literally sucked dry. Yeah, they look like the children from Acura. They look like the the wrinkled, depleted, psychic children from Acura. Ah, uh, the I haven't seen Akira in a very oh, long time. Oh, you haven't no, seen in Acura? A, you didn't in a very long time. Okay. I have seen it. Okay. Watch our listen to our anime episode again if you want proof that I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Dong, 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 dong. That's a moment in Akira. That's the soundtrack is very good. Um, speaking of uh, crazy religious groups, I found a funny one called the Christadelphians. The Christadelphians? Yeah. Do they like Christelia? Do they worship Christ? <laughs> and what is Christelia? I'm here. I start a religion. It's space around rape. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It developed in the 19th century around the teachings of Christelia. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> jeez, you know when you do a, a mentally handicapped voice in front of people and Justin Bieber likes you a lot, but then you send a Snapchat to a girl and she's like, ah, you raped me, bro, and you're like, ah. I don't know what to do. I'm Chris Delia. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. They were just one of these American religions that started um, by some guy. Christadelphians? Yeah, just so like, like Christ this, brothers? This guy was in the... a shipwreck and like made and like had a crazy time in a shipwreck and then like made his way to Philadelphia and then was like, I'm going to start my own religion and it's going to be called Christadelphians. Hell yeah. Um, and they, uh, I don't Philly know. Philly Christians. <laughs> We're a bunch of Philly Christians. <laughs> They're like a gang. We're going to beat the shit out of you if you don't acknowledge the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> They're a violent hey, gang. fuck you. Bad things happen with Christadelphians. <laughs> Go Eagles. Um, well, hey, well, here's a nice thing about the Christadelphians. That's not how Philadelphians talk. How do Philly talk? Go Eagles. During the Second World War, Christadelphians in Britain assisted in the kinder transport, helping to relocate several hundred Jewish children away from Nazi persecution. Oh, hell yeah, Christadelphians. <laughs> wow. What, they just, what they just went up in my book. They're a good guys. gang. Good gang. Good gang of guys. These there. Jews are having a real hard time in Europe. <laughs> go Eagles. Go Roethlisberger. You Jews are going to come here down to fit. The Christadelphians are going to sell you back home. Go Jews. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's not how they talk either. I do a really bad Philly accent. Uh, I can't do it. Oh, and yeah, so they're annihilationists. They, um, hell is not. Oh, a, they're also annihilationists. Yeah, hell is not a place of eternal torment, but it is a state of non-being. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty bad to those people. Like, they, like non-existence is a punishment to these people, right? Uh, well, I guess it's because the only because the alternative is eternal chilling with your dude God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, like, it, it's an easier way to square, you know, a merciful God. Like, if you really believe that God was merciful, then if, you know, you were, a, like, a sinner that doesn't get to participate in the kingdom of heaven, then, you know, simple non-existence seems like a pretty good deal yeah. as the alternative. And there's also, like, I don't know what it's called. There's also the school of thought that just everybody goes to heaven. Um, and that's that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> Why? I like that Hitler. one. Everybody. Doesn't yes, matter. I'm here too, but I'm nice now. It's okay. It's. I guess it would be sort of like your soul is is actually different from the things that you do on Earth because Earth is a place of sin, and uh, when you die, you God just scrubs that dirty soul off and put puts you plops you down in heaven, and everything's gonna be fine. What's the belief that I kind of like if I I had like in my general metaphysical patchwork, uh, one of the things that I always really liked was the idea that we're all just each other's reincarnation. Like we're all just the same soul. We are we're just in different ah, forms. We're, we're just clones. in different containers. <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's not that we're clones. It's that when you die, you'll be reincarnated as like a 15th century weirdo. And then when that 15th century weirdo dies, they'll be reincarnated as a 21st century uh, asshole. And then when that asshole dies, it'll turn into me. So you and me, you know, because, you know, the, the way that souls can network through time is nonlinear. And not, I don't I don't know what I'm saying. But the idea that we're all the same soul reincarnating into each other eternally. Um, we're all the same person. That seems gay. It's pretty gay. <laughs> I don't want to be. This seems very gay. I don't want to be you. I'm me. Hey, what do you mean I'm you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah, all that. Yeah, I did some mushrooms. I did acid. Like that whole like eternal unity. We're all the same thing. 
if I were to investigate my feelings, that's sort of what's true. The idea that we are separate entities really um, is is a is a fiction that is necessary to our existence in these imperfect vessels. Damn. Uh, I did not think about that stuff on acid or mushrooms. I thought like, this is what I was thinking. I'd stare in the mirror and I'd be like, how come you always want to be the blue power ranger? <laughs> why don't you... Why don't you be the Red Power Ranger for once? <laughs> the Blue Power Ranger was gay, and he was tormented on set for, for by by the horrible crew members. Is that why uh, he was? Is that why they? Is that why they made him like in that show, like a beta male? I don't. I don't know. I don't know why David Yost uh, was. I guess Billy was the beta. Yeah. But I always identified with Billy because he was the nerd character, right? right? And me too. And Triceratops was the coolest dinosaur. Right. It that was, was my the one favorite. that I liked the most. That was yeah. my favorite dinosaur too. There we go. We're finding. We're finding <sighs> out so much. We're both Billy heads. Wow. But <laughs> when I was when I took acid, maybe the not the first time, but maybe the first time by myself, I was in. The you remember that um, the big red dorm on North Campus? What was that one called? I can't. Um, I can't remember. I was in. uh, uh, Start with an O. I don't remember. I was in the bathroom there, staring at the mirror. Hmm. No. Olin. No, that was like a that was like a building for classes. You're right. I don't know what it was. You anyway, were staring in a mirror. Staring in a mirror in the acid. bathroom. Just being Generally like, a no-no. You're not supposed to look into mirrors on psychedelics. <laughs> That's like, you're going to have a bad time, man. I had a great time. I thought, I, I realized I could be the Red Power Ranger. <laughs> you could be Tommy. <laughs> no, could, not Tommy. It was Jason. Jason yeah, was the Red Power Ranger. You get Tyrannosaurus. I could, Tyrannosaurus Rex could be my favorite dinosaur. I feel like if T-Rex is your favorite dinosaur, that's like the Yankees being your favorite baseball team. You know, what are you, what are you doing, well, man? You're rooting for the, you're rooting for the winners. It's okay. Know? It's okay. I mean, I was, I, I was a Patriots fan. I'm still a Patriots fan, but now that Tom Brady's gone, what's the point? But <laughs> it's fun to be a fan of winners. <laughs> yeah, it is fun to be a fan of winners because it also pisses people off. <laughs> I mean, that's the reason I don't follow sports. But I know about sports because I follow people that follow sports. And when they get very disappointed, I lap up their tears of rejection. Mm. Like, mm. like, it's great being, I'm not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, but I'm a fan of Toronto Maple Leafs fans because I stew in their misery. What about the Montreal team? Oh, they're doing, they got, did real bad. They oh. got it to the finals and then they're screwing the pooch. Oh, but so I don't know if they've officially lost It's the yet. finals right now? It's the fi- it's the Stanley Cup Finals right now. It's it's Montreal versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, gr- oh I love when Tampa Bay is in is in for hockey. <laughs> Tampa, they've they've had consistently good teams over the years. I mean, uh, there should not be a hockey rink in Tampa. That's the it's like a it's like an anomaly. That's I think that's real funny. I think <laughs> we're gonna go to the hockey game and then to a strip club. <laughs> we're I gonna mean, go to the lightning game. <laughs> It's it's just like giving the middle finger to climate change is is having the, the Tampa Bay hockey team winning the Stanley Cup. It's like yeah, yeah, we had oh yeah oh yeah we had the ice on low the entire time. Climate change. Tampa Bay won every year until <laughs> until the fucking world fell apart. Oh uh, yeah. No, we needed our winter facilities in Tampa. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Good for good for Tampa. I'm sorry about the um, the Canadian. The Habs. It's the Habs. Le, le Canadian, I, I believe. 
Le Canadien. Uh, also, this actually reminds me, we should do a French podcast. Uh, maybe next week. Is a week enough time for you to prepare? Like a podcast about French? No, no. About French Canada? A podcast entirely in French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. We'll get a lot of listeners. We'll let's get a try. Lot of French maybe listeners. we can try, we let's try to do a, a whole listener. podcast in French. Um, yeah, it, it's just us. Uh, we should just read uh, Asterix and Cleopatra and do all the voices and uh, <laughs> can send our our uh, can send our followers a link so that they can follow along. I'm sure everyone will love it. That'd be pretty good. I would listen to a... You would listen to... Or we should do we should do one of the racist, more racist Tintins. We should, we should read through one of the more racist Tintins. I mean, it probably... If we put classical music under it, it won't come across yeah. that way. And, um, You're right. It would sound nice. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure it would sound nice. Is that Tintin where they go, Oh, les noirs! Oh, les noirs! Les noirs! <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, good old, fucking, good old Tintin. Hergé. I mean, that's the thing about Tintin. Uh, it was originally published in a Catholic fascist newspaper, like a pro-fascist newspaper. Hmm. Wow, Eventually, really? Hergé evolved over time. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tintin started out real conservative. Wow. Why? Why did my parents give me all the Tintin books then? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Because the thing, I mean, the thing is, the beautifully written adventures for, uh, that anyone can enjoy. And Hergé's Lagnacler style is, uh, uh... Is that why I'm so fucked up, though? Because, I like, all I read was Tintin growing up. The thing is, Holy I mean, shit. I there was this Twitter, there was this Twitter prompt that people were doing that I responded to is, what is the best piece of right-wing art? Mm -hmm. And my, you could, you know, you could do a joke answer, like, uh, all arts since 1920, because, you know, it promotes the status quo, which is generally right-wing or whatever. Mm -hmm. But my answer was Karl Barks's Donald Duck cartoons, which, um, which if you've never read through Karl Barks's old retinue of Donald Duck cartoons, they're beautiful and uh majestic and like just created so much uh sequential art language uh they're incredibly important and uh they stand the test of time in terms of uh really just conveying things in economical but inventive and creative fashion i can't recommend the carl barks donald duck uh, uh comics highly enough but they are extremely, extremely conservative because Karl Barks was a weird libertarian crank. Um, and what? When were these being published? Uh, I think it was from the fifties. No, yeah, fifties up until the eighties. Oh, I would say. Okay, well, that's... And, but constantly, he was just churning out these comics for thirty years, huge amounts. Which is also not only is the quality of the comics impressive, but the quantity as well. Like someone you really respect is this workhorse. This guy that just drew ducks for 30 years mm. and didn't focus on anything else. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when you generate that much material, um, you know, weird stuff happens. Like how Karl Barks accidentally invented a way to uh, raise sunken ships. Because in a comic, uh, Donald and, and, the and the nephews, they want to raise a sunken ship. So they fill it with ping pong balls. And the ping pong balls raise the ship to the surface. Turned out this actually works. <laughs> and they used it one time to raise the sunken ship. And wow. Karl Barks just came, pulled that out of his ass. <laughs> and 
Just because he was like, I need an idea for an adventure comic. I know ping pong balls. That's silly. Um, and then, but one comic is about, it's called a, like a financial fable. And that's all about how inflation sucks and how like the Fed shouldn't print money. <laughs> it's mm. like literally about that. Well. Because it involves a magic coin that um, doubles uh, automatically. And so there's free money everywhere. And so the town is in chaos because there's rapid inflation and like a muffin costs a million dollars now. I think the effects of inflation are hidden um, by our imperialism. So mm. passing off inflation as if it doesn't exist and have negative consequences by leftists, I find to be highly problematic because uh, my view is what we do is we punish other countries when we have inflation um, and we... We use extracting wealth from them as a way to bring it back down. That That is a canny point. But um, I don't think that's what Karl Barks was getting at. He was getting more at a, like, um, we can't give money to the poor or else terrible consequences will happen. Yeah. I mean, if we were an isolationist country, then we would have to worry more about inflation. But since we have a economic empire... Um, we don't. Yeah. So. Um. <clears throat> well, the other thing, I mean, that's probably not a charitable reading. I'm sure like Karl Barks is probably softer than that, but, um, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely right wing. The material is definitely, but, um, the reason why I was talking about Karl Barks is because also built into it is this sort of colonialism. Because uh, Donald and the nephews are always going on adventures to wild lands with, you know, strange native peoples. And they're always getting into trouble with these these guys. And so evidently there is a sort of we can go anywhere and take whatever we want attitude that is is present in that. Which, you know, I'm sure was unexamined in Karl Barks's mind. It's that old Indiana Jones, this belongs in a museum thing. It's like. <laughs> No, Indiana, it belongs <laughs> right there, you fucking creep. <laughs> this belongs in a museum in America. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fucked up. That's, that's like Indiana Jones's line for everything. <laughs> My dad. The, the natives trying to kill Indiana Jones were totally right. Yeah, you root for the natives, and he's the, he's the bad guy. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, fucking Belloc was right, maybe. No, Belloc wasn't right. He um, teamed up with the Nazis. My favorite piece of right-wing art is John Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. Yeah. I um, like his woogly synth music. Oh, he uh, has amaz an amazing collection of vintage synths. Yeah. No no digital synths for this, for this guy. He's got a great collection of vintage synths, so... Um, mm -hmm. And his his albums are a little like inaccessible sometimes, but worth a listen. Uh, is it the greatest right wing art though? Is it explicitly? Oh, I wouldn't even I, call I John was, Mouse explicitly right wing. I thought the prompt was your favorite. Oh, your favorite? Yeah, your oh, favorite. I, I guess it could be your favorite. He's my favorite right wing that, art. That's true. It, that is true. Um, the other reason why I bring up Karl Barks is. Uh, oeuvre is because uh, going back to Hergé, Hergé was also pretty nakedly colonialist in a lot of the early Tintins but it is weird how he evolved because when you get to like the final Tintins book, Tintin and the Picaros, he's essentially uh, supporting uh, an almost Castro-like coup 
in Central America, like Tintin's old friend General Alcazar, mm-hmm. who is said to represent the interests of the people more than uh, his opposing uh, military junta. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. weird that he's friends with General Elkis. Just this little boy from Belgium. He's friends with this. I always thought of Tintin as like a, a as not a boy, but as like a like a an adult. Um, yeah, I, I didn't conceive, and I guess he is a young, but I always thought of him as this older guy. Um, the perfect casting for Tintin now. Uh, you know how they they made that terrible. CGI oh, yeah. Tintin movie. Yeah. Which they cast, uh, I forget what's his name. They cast Billy Elliot as Tintin. Really? It was probably the, wasn't yeah. it the guy that played Gollum? Uh, Andy Serkis. Yeah. Andy Serkis was Captain Haddock in it, yes. And uh, I don't know how they got it so uncanny valley-y, but they did. And it was unwatchable as a result of that. Uh, but you know who I think should play Tintin? Who? Elliot Page. Elliot Page for Tintin. <laughs> <laughs> gonna happen it's gonna happen okay Okay. you can't stop it i'm sure he's gonna love it i'm sure he's gonna agree to it um why do you why do you dangle these things in front (laughs) what are you doing to me what this landmine of elliot played this landmine of potential awful things that you can say okay yeah it's like Ooh, that sounds like a good idea. I endorse it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, yeah, Tintin, a lot of it does not hold up. Uh, like if you've ever read Tintin of Congo, extremely racist. Um, even later Tintins are like Tintin and the Red Sea Sharks. It has like a sequence where he meets a bunch of uh, black people on a boat who are uh, getting enslaved and they're all idiots, and all they can say, no, we're good Muslims, we go to Mecca. You know, that's all they say. Uh, and Yeah, the French, you shouldn't really go to the French for your um, most things, actually. Uh, Tintin, however, notably was not racist to Asians. That was a thing, because Hergé had had, um, Hergé had, had a Chinese roommate who was pretty influential on him. And so early in Tintin's life, even in the Blue Lotus, which is pretty racist towards Asians, you do have, uncharacteristic for that time, a very sympathetic and endearing Asian character in Chang, um, who later comes up again in Tintin in Tibet, which is um, a beautiful book, a yeah. wonderful, amazing, astonishing, you know, everyone acknowledges it as one of the great pieces of uh, comic literature, as it should be. Cause it, and it really treats its Asian characters with a lot of humanity, also, you know, uncharacteristic for, like, a weird fascist Belgian. So, <laughs> you know, um, uh, I, I think, yeah, Hergé's career is really interesting. If you want to see a guy evolve from being very problematic to not so problematic over the course of time. He's the French Dr. Seuss. Yeah, Belgian. Belgian Dr. Seuss. Uh, no. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> no, I meant what I said. <laughs> it's all the same. I don't, I don't have to acknowledge Belgium. Oh uh, God, Flemish Twitter is going to come for us. I am. I am a member of the biggest empire on the that the face of this earth has ever seen. And if I choose to ignore it, European country, they had better beg for my recognition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something I will say that America is good is the Jews really did good in America. We really got a leg up here. <laughs> You know, we really got we really got a foot in the door. You know, 
That's why, you know, Israel, it was just extraneous. We have to kill a whole nother group of indigenous people to get land? No, they already did it for us. And it's a—it's the land that's made for us. It's showbiz land. Everyone's doing shows from New York to L.A. It's shows, shows. That's our bit, baby. We're performers. We're performing religion. No, that's it's why you, we sing Kaddishes all the time. You and Mel Brooks. There's like two guys. <laughs> <laughs> No, all the, like, uh, if you've ever met a Jew that can't perform, sad, sad tale. Sad tale, you know. I, I think I have. You've, you've met, the, uh, you've met a, a totally serious, non-performing Jewish man. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. There you go. Now, all of, all of us, we're like sleeper cells, you know. You just have to say the right word, and then we are instantly vaudeville, you know. We just start tap dancing. I guess if I had been like, can you explain this chess move? He would have set, would have set him off. This yeah, particular exactly. guy I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, here you go with a night's gambit and then you start here. You know, he would have explained chess in a very entertaining way. No, yeah. obviously. Actually, I, I was going to use the example of Ben Shapiro, but that's not even true. His whole deal is that he's a failed screenwriter. Right. His whole his whole gag is that he wanted to write for the movies and that <laughs> he he couldn't, so he just became a right wing polemic machine. Yeah, has he been up to no good lately? He's always I don't know what he's doing. Uh, he's he runs the Daily Wire is fucking huge. You know he's he's always relevant, but because he's and you can make fun of him however he wants for being short or, or obnoxious or uh, evil. <laughs> which is like the main thing but uh the daily wire is fucking huge it's it's a this gigantic news network of awfulness and he built it up on the strength of this terrible persona that whatever whatever else he he is able to give the impression that he is the smartest guy in the room right? Maybe that's why to, he's gonna to be to our first he's, he's gonna be our first jewish president ah, look maybe maybe I, there's a there there is a non zero percent chance that ben shapiro could be the first jewish president you could say he's really unlikable but as we've shown you only need 25 percent of the american population to win an election that's it and 25 percent of americans probably could be won over to the idea that ben shapiro is some sort of boy genius you know yeah well he tweeted for the fourth of july that he tweeted the first two paragraphs of the declaration of independence and then said that it comes from judeo-christian values <laughs> judeo-christian that's been his bit for a while now yeah he's well uh, he's just trying to shoe he's just trying to get himself in the good graces of the conservatives by saying judeo-christian over and over again. Jude well, yeah, because uh, the Christians... Like, like we're gonna forget. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same thing. You killed him. Yeah. <laughs> you killed him, bro. Judeo-Christian. Yeah. yeah. In the, that hyphen should be a cross, because that's where <laughs> it separates. He's such a weird guy, because, you know, when the, if the things he wants to happen start happening, he's not going to be put—we're not going to put him on the boat. Yeah, he reminds me of that little Weasley guy in The Mummy, you know, you know who helps Imhotep along, and he, uh. like— uh, <laughs> 
Man, the mummy's weird now that I think about it. He starts saying Hebrew, and then the mummy recognizes it as the language of the slaves, and so that he takes him in. That's that's wow. pretty coded. That's pretty fucked up. <laughs> I remember growing up, um, I had a Benny. friend. The character's name is Benny. Oh, my God. That's a really anti-Semitic is, character. Is it, this is the mummy with Brendan Fraser? Yeah, the Brendan Fraser mummy. I, had a, I have a kind of funny story. Growing up, um, I had a best friend who will not be named because it's embarrassing for him. Um, yeah. He's, he's definitely not listening to this. He's gay. No, he's, he's not gay, gay. but he, <laughs> he had a hard relationship with his dad because his dad was really hard on him. And, like, his dad wanted him to be a sports, a sports player, yeah. but my friend was more of, like, a computer game bookish kind of guy. But he went along with it anyway, but he was always disappointing his dad. And mm. we turned on The Mummy, and I, I think I was, like, 11 and his dad was like, oh, the mummy, I wanted to watch this. And I would wanted to watch it, so we were watching it. But my friend was too scared. And he was, like, <laughs> hiding under a blanket. It's, it's pretty scary. And his dad, like, yelled at him and made him go to bed. And then I, <laughs> I stayed up late watching the mummy with my friend's dad, and we had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could have been my son. <laughs> <laughs> right? I felt bad. But... I that felt, happened to me. Yeah. Now, I Growing up, I had a friend who, like, I did better in school than he did. And I was at his house, and his parents would awkwardly say, oh, I wish my son would do as, as smart as you. Oh, God. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck do I say to that? Well, if you're like me, you're like, yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Mummy is a scary yeah. movie. There's a scene where a guy just has, you see a guy's eyes totally scooped out mm. <laughs> that's a pretty scary movie for like a nine-year-old you know i think that was after i had been exposed to saving private ryan my, my first r-rated movie mm-hmm. so i was kind of like whoa my eyes are open i had watched saving private ryan at age eight um and apparently because my, my dad was a war nerd he yeah. still is a war nerd yeah. um and so uh, he was like, the son has to see the movie. He needs to know about the sacrifices <laughs> the brave men made on D-Day. I, I think um, that's what my dad did any, did too, but he, my dad was more affected by it than I was. He was yelling at the computer. <laughs> like, he was, like, yelling at the guy. Because it was this huge thing, because Steven Spielberg went to Normandy. We visited Normandy, and, like, mm. Um, Band of Brothers was happening, and we were like big World War II people because mm. I, I don't know. World War II dominated my dad's life. Um, oh, yeah. Because he was a little boy when it was happening. He was like six. And the Jesus. entire country changed, and there was food rationing. And he went, and then he simultaneously to that was placed in an orphanage and had, <laughs> was barefoot and had to like pick vegetables. Jesus um, Christ. He is. Uh, the reason I still kind of believe that you can do the American dream, you can raise a class status above the one you currently are is because of his experience. But his his experience was he dropped a class status because of the Great Depression, but then came back up. But yeah. had to work really hard. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is the American dream... Like the idea of rags to riches, it happens and it does happen anecdotally all the time. Right. You know, but why are there rags to begin with is is the part that's (laughs) because it's like a cyclical, destructive uh, vortex. And the reason it was rags to riches was because um, of unfettered capitalism. Yeah. But um, I I think it's also that... um, 
Americans like the idea of having a carrot on the stick. I think one of the most American ideas is the idea of an unattainable goal. And, uh, you know, it's no coincidence that Trump's favorite song is, is that all there is? Is that all there is? Is that all there is, my friend? Let's keep on dancing. Because that is like the really hard, this constant consumption and this constant striving for more wealth that is always out of reach. Uh, it, uh, like that, that Greek myth where the guy is constantly trying to eat the grapes, but then they take away the grapes. Uh, you, you can so, eat too many grapes. I've been doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, there is this, um, there's this sort of never enough quality. And I think that is more the American dream, not so much rags to riches, but you constantly work until you have citizen K levels of wealth and then you don't stop. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. I like the I like the American dream uh, ones where it's like and a journal. It's the American dream is a journalist can change the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> those are my sort of my favorite uh, genre of American dream. Yeah, I like it when people that yeah like when that that liberal genre of patriotism. Uh, like Hamilton the musical and stuff like that, or Charlotte Clymer, you know, I, I'm a trans drone bomber. These are, the, these are the kind of people who were doing what's known as yellow journalism and getting us into the Spanish-American War. Mm-hmm. They were doing the, the sort of jingoistic liberal, like Hamilton and Charlotte Clymer. Mm-hmm. Like Charlotte Clymer was like, I want to, like the first thing I'm going to do is join the military again. Like, as, as yeah. soon as I'm able, when Biden comes in and lets trans people in the military. Yeah. Um, well, because cool. it's also part and parcel to that attitude is imperialism is justified because we are spreading democracy. Like, we can bomb Palestine because, oh, they're so mean to their gays. They're so mean to their trans people. That's so, what they were saying about Cuba. They were saying yeah. the Spanish Empire was being terrible to Cuba. We have to go help Cuba. And mm-hmm. then we do... And then Cuba's mm-hmm. ours, and <laughs> then we own Cuba. And then <laughs> the next thing you know, 60% of Cuba's sugar is being exported to us, and we own all of the sugar plantations. <laughs> are, are you saying that some of our stated goals of liberation might not be true? Yeah. Are you, sa- are you saying we didn't liberate Afghanistan? Uh, no. We, Are you saying we didn't liberate Iraq? Uh, no, no, unfortunately, no. Um, we didn't really. Well, where, where did we liberate? Where have we liberated? We liberated my pussy. We liberated uh, my boy pussy. We uh, we tried to liberate Canada from the French, sure. but you guys you guys refused. Yeah, we said no, mais non. <laughs> Uh, 1812 is cool. We burned your White House. We won that war. In the only war Canada America ever fought, Canada won. Um, and I'm sure if we did it again, we would win again. <laughs> yeah, uh, it wasn't really Canada. Though. When did you... Yeah. That was still England. You beca- you guys became a country in like 1867, right? Uh, it was Canada. It was Isaac. It was Big Dick Isaac Brock in Tecumseh, who, who was called that because he Tecumseh all over your titties. Okay, but but at that point it wasn't Canada. You were you weren't a country. Uh, we were. It was there was Ontario existed, and okay, so, well, like a, that was a colony. Yeah, we're redcoats. Yeah, but we're we're like cool Britain. We're like 
woodsy Britain where we're like in <laughs> we're not genociding the indigenous people, but we're teaming up with them for a brief period before we genocide them. Actually, we did already genocide them, but there were uh, many alliances out of necessity between uh, indigenous nations, First Nations people, and uh, and Canadians. I mean, have you ever heard the? Uh, it's a big thing. It's a big thing they teach in Canadian history class about the relationship between Isaac Brock, who is prob one of our more unproblematic historical figures, which is why we tend to revere him. The lead singer uh, of Modest Mouse. The lead singer of Modest Yahoo, Isaac Brock. Uh, uh, <laughs> what? I, no, Isaac Brock is I, like from descriptions of him, he's like this. Especially, like, in the 19th century, he's the six-foot-two mountain of muscle, like, big dick energy, like, totally affable, incredibly smart guy, like, really gentle, too, and, like, not racist, like, uh, pretty, like, like, sort of an anomalous guy, a really anomalous guy for his time, and, uh, which is why we devote a lot of time to <laughs> remembering his okay, stuff. he was and, British though. So yeah, he was British. He was yeah. not, a, um, not a Canadian or anything. Yeah, but also famously, <laughs> which is, it's turned more into legend because um, they only met for about like three days. But he teamed up with uh, Tecumseh, the famous leader, uh, famous indigenous leader, and they fought the Americans as they tried to invade uh, what was. Uh, British-controlled Canadian territory. Yeah, I was seeing in my history book about Tecumseh had a brother who was a prophet. Ooh. Tenskwatawa. You ever heard of the Seven Fires prophecy? No. You do you is that is that a commonly known one in Canada? Uh, it's it's a commonly it's a pretty it's a pretty spooky prophecy. Because it it sort of prophesies the coming of white people. It's a Anishinaabe prophecy. Is it that uh, um, the world will burn in fire to pay for the sins of the annihilation of a continent's no, worth of people, and that's why fire, climate change the, is happening? Well, it can be interpreted that way, but uh, the fire is more referred to as eras or sort of like great epochs. You know, mm. uh, the uh, da 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 da. And so the fourth fire is the fourth fire prophecy was delivered. This is the one that foretells of white people. The fourth fire prophecy was delivered by a pair of prophets. The first prophet said, you will know the future of our people by the face of the light skinned race wears. If they come wearing the face of brotherhood, then there will come a time of wonderful change for generations to come. They will bring new knowledge and articles that can be joined with the knowledge of this country. In this way, two nations will join to make a mighty nation. This new nation will be joined by two more so that four will form the mightiest nation of all. You will know the face of the brotherhood if the light-skinned race comes carrying no weapons, if they come bearing only their knowledge and a handshake. The other prophet said, Beware if the light-skinned race comes wearing the face of death. You must be careful because the face of brotherhood and the face of death look very much alike. If they come carrying a weapon, beware. If they come in suffering, they could fool you. Their hearts may be filled with greed for the riches of this land. If they are indeed your brothers, let them prove it. Do not accept them in total trust. You shall know that the face they wear is one of death if rivers run with poison and fish become unfit to eat. You shall know them by these many things. So that's that's some pretty spooky shit, that's right? Good. You know, that's good. That's good because yeah. we did come with the face of brotherhood, so I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> good for us. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I think I think the other guy. I think the what? other guy might have been maybe, onto something. Maybe it, the prophecy has. Maybe it's still yet to come. You no, know? Nah, I I think this one has already occurred. Because then, so? uh, 
The, well, that's the thing. The fact that it's a, a dual prophecy. I think the thing is both are true. Um, one more than the others, because America very much is like has indigenous values at its core. The the values of various First Nations people like this, the the like Americans by and large are much more. Uh, for lack of a better word, outdoorsy people. But there's a lot more nature worship in America. There's a lot more. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more of that yeah. built into the society. Gnosticism. Yeah, um, and I, a lot of that comes from the fact. That a lot of that comes from indigenous culture. It's like like Boy Scouts is basically this attempt to ape indigenous culture in like a really gross way. But that's that's where it started. Was <laughs> yeah, sixty thousand different. Yeah, sixty thousand. Yeah, that dad experiment uh, uh, did not turn out very well. Um, uh, yeah, sixty thousand uh, men have accused the Boy Scouts of sexual assault. Um, uh, yeah, they uh, big settlement was reached recently for millions and millions of dollars. Uh, I, yeah, I think they're going to keep going though. I don't think I think they're going to be able to. I think they're worth more it's than fine. that. Yeah, Catholic Church kept going. Well, the American I don't. public school system kept going. <laughs> what did the American public school system do? Oh no, I'm just uh, the, the, I mean, it's what I've always said. The pedophiles go to where the kids are at. You know, that's why there are no pedophile astronauts because there are no kids in space. There probably has been one. There probably been some pedophile There's probably astronauts. Probably been one. Why don't we let Fucking me look at John up. Glenn? Oh. John Glenn was a nonce. List of all astronauts. List of all astronauts. Buzz Aldrin. Let's find the funny name. Here we go. Lauren Michael Acton. Michael Collins. Mm. Peta. Peta. Uh, Clayton Anderson. Peta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Kenneth Bowersocks. Fucking Peta. <laughs> Uh, Christopher just, Cassidy. Look, we all, we've all, we can keep doing, we can keep doing the joke. Uh, all astronauts. How about Christopher Ca- Cassidy, not a PETA. Kalpana Chawla. PETA. Wow. That person died in the Columbia disaster. Yeah, that shit's fucked up. <laughs> Wait, which Columbia disaster? The one in the 80s or the one when, uh, the 2004 one? The 2001. Yeah. Oh yeah, that one. I saw that, I remember seeing that shit on TV. That is fucking horrifying footage because you just see you, you you see the shuttle clear as day burning up on re-entry see that's what america is about sending people into space to die oh come on the soviet union did it all the time remember that guy that was like i'll go up in this rickety rocket but on one condition you have to display my body open casket style if i if i die and um yeah do you remember that guy what was his name Yuri Gagarin? No, Yuri Gagarin was the guy who was like, I'm not doing that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yuri Um, Yuri Gagarin um, was a hero, so he didn't have to. You're right. Uh, uh, Fucking, yeah, you're right. Everybody sends people in space to die. Well, America did a lot. And Russia. Well, we... We should do it more. Hey, uh, hey, America, we took out the middleman. We just burned up some people right here on the ground in in a spaceship. (laughs) Uh, the first time we tried, we burned them up. Doing the right thing for the wrong reasons is actually an extremely American thing. Yeah. Like joining World War II because they bombed our, not for not to save the world, but they took out our harbor. Those yeah. guys, those, those bastards, revenge. Or like, um, 
Well, we were gonna we were gonna just build upon the rubble of Europe if if yeah. uh, if if not for Pearl Harbor. We were... <laughs> yeah, the plan was to just lay back and let let them all let the Europeans sort yeah, it out. Like up up until Pearl Harbor, the plan was Mr. Hitler. Ah, we'll make a deal with him. Yeah, uh, and then you know Hitler was a pretty bad leader, uh, defying the Molotov Ribbentrop Pact. Bad idea. Bad idea. Interestingly, Putin has been uh, modifying history so that they don't acknowledge that the Nazis and the Soviet Union ever had an alliance. Yeah, that's funny. That's that's pretty funny. Like, why is it so embarrassing, though? Everybody had an alliance with everybody liked Hitler before, you know, the shit hit the fan. The the nationalism that Putin uses... to uh, further his movement is World War II Soviet nationalism that they were uh, responsible for defeating the Nazis. Um, I mean, they were. <laughs> well, but not exclusively. No, the, not exclusively. But thing. if you talked about who did the largest contribution to defeating the Nazis, Russia. Okay, no. Like, no. no 20 way. million of those deaths are just people starving. So <laughs> you can't. I'm not talking about just the deaths, but I'm talking about you know the <laughs> that's the, the argument. war turns at the siege the siege of Leningrad. You know that's the argument that's always used. Though it's like, look, the deaths far outstrip anyone else's. Why is that a proof of anything? Well, yeah, that's more of a proof of that Stalin did was shitty at supply lines. But uh... it's like, oh, you maybe you guys didn't dig your diarrhea trenches big enough. That's probably yeah. why. Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, the Russian sacrifice, but if we're talking about just, you know, who killed more Nazis and who is responsible for, like, the Nazis losing their shit more, it was, I mean, you can't, I mean, you also, like, can't say the Russian people did it. It's more just like the Russian landscape did it. <laughs> it right. Just... You've got to, you got to have a little bit of sense about when you're doing an analysis of World War II. It was a lot, it was a world war. A lot of people were doing shit. Like, yeah. did the Russians defeat the Japanese? No, they couldn't. They couldn't defeat yeah. the Japanese. <laughs> yeah. They lost the whole fucking war to Japan. Yeah. Well, uh, but yeah, everybody's got to do their nationalism. Everybody's got to do their, we are the right. strong ones. It's we it are is, the ones who do the thing. It is weird to me to say that the Soviet Union won all of World War II and ignore the Eastern theater completely. Uh, <laughs> no, because that didn't happen. World War II is the Nazis. Okay. The Japanese are just like a fun side character. Yeah. <laughs> they almost they almost kicked our asses. So. Uh, yeah, they almost kicked our asses so bad we had to do the worst thing anyone has ever done to them. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, we did. still number one. We did, we did the worst thing that anyone has crazy. ever done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that's that really I do think. Yeah, um, I, I think you could say that the nuclear the launching of the nuclear missiles is up there for the worst action ever done, because not only, you know, did it kill all those people, uh, but it ushered in the era of constant paranoia, which we still live in today. We still live in the nuclear era. We felt like at the end of history moment, you know, the Cold War had ended and we would be done with all this paranoia. But no, it's just come back. It's just still here because we're still always under the threat of this annihilation. And, um, you know, that's the real annihilationism is mutually assured destruction. 
Well, no, it's not. But yes, it's the real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The pandemic has made me feel like I'm always under threat of being killed. Like just by your fellow, your fellow people. Like I'm still crossing the street when I see someone like far away. I'm like, oh shit, there's someone crossing the street. (laughs) Mm. Can't walk next to someone. Uh, I'm generally fine with i i mean i've been doing i've been doing i've been going out to stores now stores are open now and nice people are generally generally respectful like and you're going to the dildo store and such going to the going to the dildo stores <laughs> getting my black screamers on getting getting my getting my purple laughers yeah getting my getting my uh pink ticklers getting all getting all my guys your, in a row your green dragons getting my green dragons you know <laughs> arranging my dildo collection by height pink unicorn getting my pink unicorn that's, uh, that's a good you know how that one's shaped yeah getting getting my mauve missile that, that's a good one actually I might, the I mauve, might make a missile. mauve missile yeah that's a good name for a lot of things yeah it looks like a gigantic mortar shell <laughs> <laughs> yeah a bu- like a bullet from mario yeah, like a bullet that they would have in like one of those uh, German gigantic guns, like named Bertha or something like that. Yeah. Oh, the naming of the weaponry. Like we're sending this shell to Adolf here. We put a, we put one of our best pinup girls on it. Yeah. Uh, just like <laughs> Italian guys. We put on the most attractive woman in England. It's <laughs> some, some horrifying it's looking yeah, person. Tell him it's from old. Tell him it's from old Choppy down in Southmoreland. <laughs> Get him Choppy. Yeah, well, the British—they were bombed to smithereens during World War II. They contributed. Yeah. Now only if Germany would do that, but only to the turfs. <laughs> uh, you want the Germans the to blitz. bomb the turfs? Yeah, we got to do the blitz for turfs. <laughs> <laughs> oh no the air raid sirens they're getting the turfs <laughs> yeah well if we get that targeted precision like brainwave gun thing like we could start doing that uh precision strikes is the funniest shit i mean it's funny because it's the most terrifying shit man another great thing america does uh well yeah, yeah the our idea precision... that we we do precision strikes or that the idea that you can do these gigantic incendiary uh, <laughs> campaigns and, like, only get the bad guys, in well, quotes. You'll notice they use precision instead of accuracy. Uh, the word they use actually is kinetic. Oh, yeah. They but, use kinetic strikes. But when they, when, they, when they use precision, I mean, it's on yeah. purpose instead of yeah. saying accurate because precise and accurate are different. And... Mm-hmm. A bomb it does precisely go in one place, always. <laughs> yes, that is true. It precisely landed here. Accurate means it hit the target you were intending. Yeah. Precise That's... does not mean... Precise means it, it went where it was supposed to go by nature yeah. of its being, and that is, you know, wherever it actually <gasps> ends up. Yeah, it, had, it has an area of effect damage radius... You can't see it's not you can't you can't only get the bad guys. You're gonna there's always gonna be shrapnel. There's always gonna be But that's that's I think that's the vision of a lot of like I think that's what Charlotte Clymer actually thinks. I think Charlotte Clymer or if she doesn't think that, um she thinks some like we're we're as close to that as we've ever been, and as a result, that's how we can justify our violent imperialism. 
Yeah, it's um, a bad way. If you're going to justify the imperial um, power, you have to accept that you are a bad person. Yeah. Or that you, you know, hold, have, you know, it's not ethical to control the entire world in such a way. We can't call Thomas Jefferson a bad person, but we can call Charlotte Clymer a bad person. No, no, uh, let me, I want to be clear. You can call Thomas Jefferson a bad person, but in terms of talking about uh, his effect on history, I don't think it's that useful. I mean, I yeah, guess it, yeah. it, it can be useful if if the propaganda that's out there is like they didn't do anything bad. So it, it's, I guess it's um, useful, sort of. I it, it's I've been so far removed from an environment that has that type of history whitewashing. I'm sure they still exist out there. Yeah. The, it's, that, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're but, taught yeah. that the founding fathers are amazing, and that, and you, like, my dad didn't know what George Washington's teeth were made out of. I was like, hey, dad, what were George Washington's teeth made out of? And he was like, wood. It's wood. And I was like, <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Let's find out. Let's go. Let me do a screen share, Dad. Let's go see what George Washington's teeth were made out of. And he's like, oh, no. It was slave uh, teeth? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, no. Yep. And I was like, and you know what? The, not every, it wasn't like a one-for-one one thing. They didn't just get 30 perfect matches. They had to find a lot of different teeth to match it. <laughs> yeah. They, they had to go through a bunch. Before they got a perfect match. It's like a trial and error type thing. <laughs> Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, there's, there's also this, even when they, uh, part of like liberal history myth-making is even if they acknowledge that the founding fathers were slave owners, they'll be like, oh, but they were good to their slaves. Or like you'll have this thing where George Washington said to on his deathbed to Martha to free the slaves. Oh, no, well, yeah, I mean, George Washington was not good to his slaves he did free them but he was um he was like a taskmaster and would beat them i think he sometimes beat them personally i don't know yeah um also whenever you whenever the patriarch would quote unquote free the slaves like that didn't necessarily always happen it often set off like Mm. this crazy intra-family legal battle because his slaves are a huge part of his assets yeah. Um, and they're not easily... Uh, the thing that then eventually came to haunt the South was that slaves were how they were rich, but they mm-hmm. didn't actually have cash. And it was very yeah. hard after a certain point to like exchange a slave for cash. And mm-hmm. that's one of the ways the North was able to win. Yeah. Um, exploiting, exploiting tricky economic stuff that the Southerner was like, oh, I'm too far removed from... How you do economics. Oh, the, these maths are giving me a right headache. Yeah. I'm going to settle down on the old porch with a mint julep and jack off. <laughs> yeah. So, happy 4th of July, everybody. Happy 4th of July. Um, uh, that being said, uh, if... I don't celebrate, you know, the spirit of America, but I celebrate the fact that by sheer coincidence... We're on this land together, even by brutality and terror. Um, and I am glad to share. Th- I'm glad to be in proximity to so many wonderful people and whatever that means. Yeah. And well, 90 percent of Canadians are in close proximity to the border. So you guys are like magnetically drawn to our musk. 
I think e- I think Elon everyone Musk. says, you know, <laughs> that's a general line. Like, I don't like America, but I like Americans because I, by and large, I do like Americans. Uh, uh, there is that that frothing at the mouth, optimistic quality that uh, makes y'all so makes y'all so endearing. Uh, even you, the the master of cynicism, even you, oppositional defiant disorder, have this strange optimistic quality in a way. Yes, On, but that's because during times of great pessimism, it's really a contrarian's peak. Mm-hmm. It's the only time, like not with a pandemic, when everyone is like the world is ending. I'm like perked up. I'm like, ooh. Suffering's in the air. Everybody's going bad. It's time for me to shine. That's right. I will be a dad. I'm I'm able to be optimistic during bad times because I'm a contrarian. It does mean when things are going good, I I feel terrible, though. Double-edged sword. Double-edged. I own the the only triple-edged sword. It's very useless. (laughs) It's terrible. It's... (laughs) Don't get triangle swords. They're bad. <laughs> you keep getting cuts. Yeah. I don't know how to handle this. Uh, uh, yeah, so America, uh, C+. Plus. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with B-, minus, my favorite grade. <laughs> yeah. You still feel like you're kind of smart. Yeah. B-. minus.